This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm your host, Michael Rand. Plenty to get to here in a little bit. I'll talk to Marcus Fuller, covers Gophers men's basketball for the Star Tribune, does a great job doing that. Got a recruiting update from Marcus. I think that'll be interesting for you guys to, to hear about, just you know what's going on with the Gophers this offseason now that Ben Johnson can get on the road, see recruits, talk to them face-to-face but also has plenty of work to do to, to remake this roster, not just this year where they lost so many guys in the transfer portal and brought in so many other guys in the transfer portal, but, you know, really 2022 and beyond. What what will he be able to do, you know, with these incoming recruits uh, next season and beyond? So good conversation with Marcus. Hope you enjoy that. We'll also talk a little bit of twins here in just a moment. But first, what did I miss? Got to see Joe Maurer um, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, at uh, at Target Field, he's 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 putting on a home run derby for uh, Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare coming up here on June fifteenth, and I want to play that first for you that that conversation I had with Joe Maurer because first of all I thought it was interesting just to catch up with Joe hadn't talked to him for a while um, especially since his retirement at the end of the two thousand eighteen season just find out what he's up to but also I think it kind of frames nicely a discussion of the twenty twenty one Twins so. Let's go ahead and listen to that conversation I had with Joe Maurer. Happy to have Joe Maurer right now. Joe, you were crushing some out to right field here uh, in support of your event coming up June 15th, uh, benefiting Gillette Children's Home Run Derby. To remind, remind the listeners, who all is coming out for this? Yeah, we got a great group of guys. Uh, geez, off the top of my head, we got uh, Justin Morneau, Trevor Plouffe, Brian Dozier, uh, Jim Tomei, um, Garrett Jones, Joe Nathan, Glenn Perkins, um, Darren Mastriani, Brian Dunsing, jeez, uh, you're going to kill me, I'm going to forget a couple. I'll, I'll have to send you the list just to make sure we get everybody in there. But uh, yeah, we got a good group of guys coming, and we got a couple non-baseball uh, guys coming as well, so we're, uh, we're excited for them to to come out and, and participate in this home run challenge. It's like a Target Field All-Star game. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, so, crushing them out to right, how, does it make you want to get back out and play? How do you, how do you, <laughs> how you feeling about that? Uh, well, we were talking about it earlier. It's, it's a different mentality for me. Um, you know, obviously this is a home run challenge and uh, my sights are going to be set on that right field foul pole and uh, trying to lift the ball a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's, it's fun anytime you grab the bat and, and get out there and take some swings and and obviously we're doing it, uh, everybody's coming together for a great cause and, and raising money and awareness for, for Gillette Children's Hospital here in St. Paul. So uh, it should be a great day. I hope we get a day like this. It's, it's beautiful out, and uh, hopefully that wind's blowing a little bit out to right uh, on that day. I saw when you hopped in there you still took a pitch. Is that just old <laughs> yeah. habit? Was that uh, just for it fun? Or? No, it is. It's, it's just something that I've done uh, really forever. I mean, even before I was a professional, I just... It gives me an, a, a good chance to, to, to kind of size the pitcher up and get my timing right. So it's I've always felt comfortable doing that. And um, yeah, as I got older, um, you know, if I if I've saw pitchers before, like you know Justin Verlander or something like that, mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid to, to let it fly in that first pitch. But if I've never seen a guy before, you can 100% count that I'm I'm taking the first pitch wherever it is. I swung at the first one you threw me. I, I <laughs> grounded it meekly. I got a couple, but I, I, I took one for the for the whole group here. I went right after you. And yeah. Between the two of us, we hit seven home runs. So there I, you feel, go. I feel like that was yeah. pretty good. You hit seven. That's I hit none, but. You know, combined, that's that's still seven. That's um, still a good day. Still so, a good day. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of curious. A couple, you know, what what do you? I know you were, aside from just being a professional athlete, you were pretty legendary for being competitive. What are you doing these days to scratch that competitive itch now that you're tired? Um, that's a great question. Um, 
golf. I'm playing a little bit of golf. I uh, haven't played here in a little while, but um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, out here grabbing a bat, you know, you kind of get a little competitive doing that. It's, uh, you know, I'm uh, the girls' assistant soccer coach, uh, the first graders there, so um, I'm trying to hold it back in there, you know, because obviously I'm a coach. I can't do anything to to, to impact the game, but uh, no, it's it's been good. It's uh, you know, here and there, I get out there in the golf course, maybe get at my brothers, and, uh, you know, whenever you have your brothers involved, it gets pretty competitive, no matter what you're doing, but, yeah, it's it's good to get the bat in your hand, and, uh, you know, try to swing and try to hit some homers. My, my oldest is a seven-year-old girl, too, so I kind of know where, right? yeah. she's a first grader right now, what, what's, I mean, talk, me, talk to me about dad life, I like to ask athletes, yeah. you know, retired ones, it's like, what... What's it like, you know, now that you're home, you know, essentially most of the time, all the time, you get to be around all, you get to be around your kids. What, what's dad yeah. life like for Joe Maurer? It's busy. It's busy. And, uh, you know, when you had, uh, when we had Chip, who's now two and a half, you had that third one, you're kind of moving to a zone defense. So uh, moving and shaking. Um, the girls keep me on my toes, obviously, the first graders. Um, but, yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been busy, but... Um, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I get an opportunity to spend that time with them, and, and that's what I'm trying to do is just try to be around as much as I can and, and uh, just enjoy them because uh, they're, uh, they're ever-changing uh, so fast, and uh, you just try to enjoy, uh, enjoy the time that you're in with them. You watch much of this year's team? You know, this year I haven't been able to watch uh, as much as I'd like. Um, I keep track of the box scores and kind of how guys are doing. Um, you know, I have conversations with Morno a little bit. He kind of gets me a little up to speed, but... Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, haven't uh, haven't been on top of it like I normally would or, or would like to. They might be calling you pretty soon. They yeah. have a lot of injuries. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's a part of the game and navigating a big league season. It's you know just into June. Um, it's still early, but not that early. Yeah. But uh, you know, guys, you get healthy and, and you try to you know gives opportunities to other guys to step up and and for the front office to get a good look at them. So. Um, you try to take that negative and, and turn it into a positive, and, and hopefully the boys can get it going here. Last thing for you, I saw, I heard you earlier talking about the group text you had going with some of yeah. these guys who were coming in. That must be kind of fun, right? Because yeah. I'm sure you guys do group text. We everybody has a you know has a group or two of friends where you get the you know, get the trash talk going stuff like that. But I can imagine you get a bunch of pro athletes on a group text. It gets pretty uh, it gets pretty competitive. It is, it is, and it's guys like you know the group that we have coming. It's it's like we haven't missed a beat, you know. Some of the guys I haven't been in the clubhouse with for over 10 years, but um, it's like it was yesterday, the last time you saw them. But uh, guys are uh, just having fun. We're excited to see each other. Um, they're excited to come here and help support me, what I'm trying to do here in St. Paul with Gillette Children's. And, um, you know, it's just a win-win. I hope we get a great day like this. I hope people come out, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Joe, thanks so much. Congratulations yeah. on this cool event and uh, everything that you're doing now post, uh, post-career. post Thank you. I appreciate it. So I liked a lot of that conversation with Joe Maurer. Hope you did, too. One thing that struck me was when we were talking a little bit about the 2021 Twins team that, he's, that he hasn't had a whole lot of chance to watch because obviously he's got three, you know, three small kids. I know the drill. I've got three small kids, too. You know, you don't always get to watch everything you want to watch, but... He's keeping up with the team. He talks to Justin Morneau about them. You know, he he follows them in the box scores. And what he said about this year's team was it's it's early, but it's not that early because we're already into June now. And starting to remind me a little bit of the 2011 Twins a decade ago, where 20 you know 2000 
In 2010, 2009, they were coming off uh, you know, back-to-back AL Central titles. Much different teams in those years. They kind of loaded up in 2010 with some veterans for uh, you know for that first season at Target Field. But uh, you know they they get to this you know 2011 season still high hopes. Can they make the World Series? And they they fall flat they, by by the beginning of June. Like Joe Maurer is talking about, they were 17 and 37 in in uh, in 2011 you could tell at that point that this was probably not going to be in the cards however that team did rally kind of like this twins twins team started to play a little bit better that 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 team rallied to get all the way back to i think 44 and 49 at one point um you know we were, i remember i remember we were even having conversations about should they be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline um you know cuz they were that they reached that that record you know in late July here, I'm going to find it just because I, I pulled it up early. I want to pull up what they have 44 and 49, then 40, 46 and 51 after a pair of wins over Cleveland. They were five games back in the division race on July 20th at 46 and 51. And we're like, you know, should they, should they go, you know, should, should we believe in this team? Should they go all in based on, you know, what we thought we knew about the, about them at the beginning of the season? I wonder if this team is still going to tease us a little bit like that. I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe all the tease we were going to get was them starting to play slightly better a little while ago before they went and lost two out of three to Kansas City and then two out of three to Baltimore to, to fall even further back. More injuries, more disappointment. But the, the one really unfortunate parallel that I'm, that's starting to creep into my head is the Jim Tomei and Nelson Cruz comparison because Tomei was so good so instrumental for the Twins in 2010, coming into that veteran, left-handed hitting presence, just clutch hitter, power guy, um, remade that lineup whenever he was in it, really picked up the slack, particularly in the latter half of 2010 when Justin Morneau was out with that concussion. 2011, you know, time starts to catch up to him like it does for everybody. And, he, you know, he had an okay year. But he still had an OPS over 800, but he ends up getting traded. Um, and it just didn't really it didn't work out to the same extent that it had, you know, in in uh, in in twenty uh, in twenty ten. And you know, Tommy's still beloved here. He's actually he's like well, like Joe Maher talked about. He's one of the guys coming back for this uh, for this charity softball home run derby. But time started to catch up with him, and you could tell that year just wasn't quite the same player. And I'm starting to get that vibe from Nelson Cruz. I, I don't know if that's fair or not yet. If the sample size is too small, but Nelson Cruz hit a home run. Um, first day in May. Ever since then, that's a full month, basically from May second to June second. He's only hit two home runs, batting average down at two twenty seven, striking out basically one every four plate appearances. OPS of six sixty eight. I mean, it, it's not a complete fall apart, but it's certainly not up to Nelson standards. I I I start to wonder when a player that old has a month stretch like that is. Is that the beginning of the end? That's not to say he's not going to hit a bunch more home runs this year. I'm just saying, are we are we at the end now of Nelson Cruz being dominant middle of the order batter? Are we are we at the beginning of the beginning of the end uh, for for that sort of version of Nelson Cruz? And if so, what does that mean for this year's team decimated so much already by so many injuries? You saw Caleb Thielbar again in last night's game go out. You got so many other guys that have been hurt this year. Guys underperforming. If Nelson Cruz starts to fade, that's just one more thing that you add on to this to say, I don't think this is coming back all the way. It just doesn't feel like this is the year. We'll see. Nelson Cruz has surprised us before. You've started to think maybe at other times, ah, is he, is he, is this going to be, 
you know, the the beginning of the end. It was a couple of years ago where he had that wrist injury. You're like, uh oh, and then all of a sudden he comes back hotter than ever and, and really carries him again down the stretch. So not writing him off, I don't think that would be fair. But you know, a guy who gets to be this age, he's you know, he's he's just like Jim Tomey at that point. He's you know, he he 40 years old. He'll be 41 at the beginning of July. That's uh that that's not the point where a lot of guys are still doing this at this level. So. One thing to keep an eye on this year is especially as you uh, as you watch down the stretches is where where is his career headed and you know how does that compare to a decade ago with Jim Tomey and overall how does that compare to a team that you know 10 years ago did rally to at least get into the conversation by the end of July of whether they should be in the mix to uh you know to add or subtract players you know ended up not adding players and then they you know they really plummeted those last two months finished 63 and 99 so We'll see. Again, too early really to write off this season completely, but like Joe Maurer said, it's it's not that early anymore. It's June. When you've been through two full months of the season, you kind of know what you got and what you got right now, especially after last night's 6-3 loss, which capped off a, you know, a series loss at Baltimore, which had been going as poorly as any team in baseball. That doesn't feel good right now. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I'd like to welcome in Marcus Fuller to Daily Delivery. It's been a little while since we chatted, Marcus, because let's be honest, not a ton has happened in the college basketball world since I think the last time we talked might have been uh, not long after uh, the national title game. But uh, starting to pick up recruiting wise here this week um gopher wise what what can you tell me what are what are some of the things we should be watching for now that ben johnson can kind of get on the road again be you know doesn't have to go doesn't have far to go in some cases but can start having some face-to-face interaction with some of these targets that they're going to try to bring in 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 future years yeah well it's good to be back talking gopher basketball as always um well there's not a lot been going on uh, maybe nationally but for the Gophers, uh, as a lot of fans know, the portal has been pretty brutal to their team uh, from last season. Um, they've lost 10, uh, but they've also gained 10. Uh, so, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later, what the roster looks like right now. But as far as recruiting, um, you know, Ben Johnson and his staff, they've been focusing a lot on uh, transfers. Uh, so this will be the first time, you know, that they can really dig deep into the 2022 class. Um, as everybody knows, I mean, we've all experienced it. The pandemic has changed, um, you know, a lot of our lives, including basketball coaches and in and, and, uh, prospects. You know, last summer uh, in July, they were able to go out uh, and play AAU basketball without any coaches uh, present and not many fans either. So this summer is completely different. Uh, the NCAA lifted the dead period starting Tuesday, which was June 1st. It was the first time in I want to say over a year, 15 months that uh, uh, coaches and players will be allowed to have in-person recruiting, meaning uh, starting this week, the Gophers and college basketball coaches all across the country have started to um, have visits with recruits, uh, recruiting targets. (laughs) We talked about that earlier. Um, You know, for the most part, we're talking about seniors to be uh, that'll be committing or signing in the fall. Uh, so we're talking about in the state of Minnesota, Trey Holloman from Creighton Durham Hall, point guard, outstanding talent. Um, he also plays football. He w- he visited on Tuesday. He was the first uh, recruit 
recruiting target to come in for Ben Johnson. And um, it was an unofficial visit, which you'll see from a lot of uh, local kids because they get five official visits. Um, and then, you know, of course, if you're down to uh, your decision, um, you'll want to visit officially with the school. But right now they're going to keep their, most of the local kids will keep their five official visits and just visit Minnesota unofficially as much as they can. Uh, you know, they know the campus, they know the coaches, but um, this is kind of the first time that, you know, Ben's been able to in person uh, meet with Trey Holloman uh, on campus and talk to him a little bit. And, you know, for the most part, for a lot of these coaches, it's been in Zoom calls and phone calls and texts. So that, that was real important. Um, and Trey Holloman was the first of quite a few that they'll have here this week. You have a sense for where that relationship is with with the Gophers and, and Trey Holloman. Is it too early since, like, like you said, we've been in such a, a strange zone and now they can finally start cultivating those relationships? But that would be a big early, you know, early get or early, you know, someone to, to be in on. Maybe not quite the, you know, quite the caliber of a Jalen Suggs, obviously. And then those guys like that don't come along every year, even a Chet Holmgren. But this is a this is a pretty good class depth wise, right? Oh yeah, definitely. This is, uh, you know, this class is probably one of the deepest. Um, it may be, maybe the deepest, um, you know, since I've been covering the Gophers, you know, when I say that, obviously you talked about Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren, you know, it's not as top heavy, um, you know, with those elite prospects, as far as top 10, uh, top five in the country, maybe one and done, you know, NBA talent, um, after their freshman year. Um, but I think these are definitely kids that can come into a program, and, and change, uh, you know, the direction, especially if you get a couple of them. And Trey Holloman was one that uh, I know Ben Johnson and his staff zeroed in on right away. Uh, you don't find point guards with his talent very often. Uh, Michigan State is heavy after him, and that's actually where he will take his first official visit this week on Thursday uh, to Michigan State and Tom Izzo. And, you know, there, there'll be quite a few other schools, I'm sure, get into the mix. He also told me he's visiting Marquette at the end of the month. You know, but right now, I think Minnesota and Michigan State, you know, Minnesota, because obviously it's the hometown school for him, but also because, you know, he's he's had a, his eye on uh, Minnesota, even under Richard Pitino, um, he was a high priority. So he knows a lot about the the school. He knows a lot about, you know, what, what they offer. Uh, there, there's not a lot he knows about Ben Johnson's system, philosophy, um, what his team will look like. Uh, and so those are the things that I'm sure Trey is interested in as well. Some of these other recruits, uh, Wednesday, Braden Carrington from park center. He's a guard. He's more of a two guard or combo guard, a very good shooter in the class of 2022. Uh, he's visiting unofficially as well. Uh, and then on Thursday, um, a talent that, that really is a big time sleeper and you'll see him blow up this summer is, uh, Demarion Watson Salisbury from Tantino Grace, um, you know, you look at the way that, you know, a lot of these kids develop, some of them, you know, you know, as far as Trey, he's been on the scene quite, quite a long time. Um, you know, Demarion was a, two years ago, was a, a bench player for Minnehaha Academy. And, uh, you know, he transferred and not, all of a sudden now he's one of the top kids in the state. And, you know, last summer didn't really get a chance to showcase himself too much because of the pandemic, but you'll see him rise in the rankings as well. So getting those three kids in this week, I think was really important for Ben Johnson, even though they're unofficial visits, you know, to get a chance to, to really build that relationship with them in person um, is huge for this class. 
those will be, you know, potentially long-term relationships if those targets turn into recruits and signees and, and players. More immediately, like you alluded to earlier, um, the transfer portal is is unbelievable for especially you know as it pertains to the Gophers, ten in, ten out. Um, it's a totally different. It's a totally different team, totally different roster, and maybe you can say, not not the the worst thing in the world based on the fact that last year's team didn't find the success it wanted to. But how do you? How does the? Where's the roster at right now? Are there imbalances? Are there still things they're looking to? to hopefully add in what certainly has become kind of college basketball and college sports version of free agency. Yeah. You could say that's one of the reasons why coach K maybe wants to get out of it. We didn't talk right. about that yet, but you know, the, the legendary Duke coach, uh, Mike Krzyzewski is re- retiring. You know, I think that if you look at the landscape of college basketball right now, you see the way that uh, things are changing, uh, not just during the pandemic when, you know, we didn't have an NCAA tournament and then all of a sudden, you know, we did and, you know, it was in a bubble basically in, in Indianapolis, you know, entire in its entirety. Um, you know, that was different. I don't know how the NCAA tournament will move forward, but I know a lot of people were, were uh, liking the fact that there are so many games tournament wise that were all in one location. But I'm talking about, you know, overall future of the game moving forward. There's a lot of things that happened during the pandemic that we're going to con- continue to see. You know, one of them is the one-time transfer rule that was put into place and which is allowing transfers to play right away in their first transfer. Um, you know, what that did this year was it, it really confused, I think, a lot of transfers in thinking, you know, if they transferred once, twice, three times, that they would be able to play right away. Uh, they still have to go through the waiver process. And if you look at Minnesota's roster, there's quite a few of their players that have already transferred, um, you know, to their top players, Marcus Carr, uh, Liam Robbins, um, Brandon Johnson, you know, those three players have already transferred. So uh, they'll have to go through the waiver process. I think it'll be a little easier for them because Richard Patino was fired. And, you know, that's something that um, moving forward that you're going to see quite a bit. Coaches that were fired, you know, players will get to play right away. But if you look at the transfer portal as a whole, you know, a team like Minnesota losing, you know, 10 players, uh, you can't completely fill an entire competitive roster. I mean, it's really tough to do that in a year. And, you know, him, Ben Johnson being a new coach, um, you know, relationships that he's already had. He's a Minnesota guy. So you've seen quite a few of these players have Minnesota ties, which helps him. Um, Peyton Willis was a player that already played for Minnesota once before he transferred and now he's back. So uh, I want to say at least half of these guys, you know, have relationship with Ben Johnson or Minnesota already. So that really helped their situation. But, you know, moving forward, uh, it's going to be really hard to be competitive for any program to lose more than half your roster in a year and expect to compete. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, we talked about it to start off the podcast about high school recruiting. And I still think that's that's important. It's, it's extremely important to build your program in high school recruiting because those are the kids that uh, are picking your program from the start and that you probably have the longest relationship with and the possibility of them staying long-term. Those are the ones you want to have to recruit and keep recruiting and keeping your program, uh, as opposed to just trying to build your roster with transfers every year, because a lot of coaches are saying, Hey, I'm, I might just ignore high school recruiting right now and focus on transfers because these guys are more developed and older. Um, but you know, there's no relationship there long-term. And I, and I think, you know, the Gophers moving forward, will will focus more on high school recruiting than transfers. 
roster wise, I mean, like you said, a lot of new players coming in. A um, couple more things for you, Marcus Fuller, enjoying this college basketball conversation in the early June. Not necessarily when I think about college basketball, but definitely a, an important time for the Gophers program as they think about you know these all these new players. And you said practice for them starts soon, right? In the matter of 10, 12 days, something like that, June fourteenth getting them on the court, how, what, what should we expect, uh, you know, as they start to get to know each other and, and try to build up for, for some, some semblance of a successful season next year. Yeah, I'm curious myself because last year, you know, we had a um, period there where quite a long period where they weren't even practicing, you know, because of COVID um, you know, they obviously had to um, continue to test and, and make sure that when they came back from um, you know, their families and, and, and some of these guys, you know, they were graduating and, and trying to transfer. Uh, they had to make sure they were safe and everything was safe on campus. And, you know, they continued to, to, to not have full practices. You know, I think at the time they limited the number of players that could, uh, you know, be together. It was mostly workouts. And so it was really just a strange offseason. And, you know, I was surprised at how competitive the Gophers were last year, not having any really much time to practice, not having preseason games, exhibition games. So all of that will be back this year. You know, they'll, they'll join, like, like you said, in, in uh, mid-June. They'll be able to practice right away. You know, they can do scrimmages five-on-five. Five. Um, as, as I just talked about, they should have at least 10 players so they can <laughs> go five-on-five. <laughs> on five. Um, they, also, they also added a couple walk-ons. Uh, one of them's uh, from Minnesota in East, Eastview product in Jackson Purcell. Um, but, you know, you talk about the roster a little bit. The only returning player is Isaiah Enan, a sophomore forward, a junior to be six foot nine forward. He's got a lot of potential, um, you know, still trying to tap into that. Um, some of the um, players that probably will be expected to lead right away, Peyton Willis, as I mentioned, he's a return, uh, a returner from a couple of years ago where he played for the Gophers and he was a starting combo guard. Uh, has, a, has a really good tight relationship with Eric Curry, who graduated and he'll be a, a grad assistant, but Eric was a big man that played for four years here and, and uh, had, had some injury issues, but def definitely um, one of the most inspirational players that I've covered. And uh, you'll see Peyton take that leadership role. Uh, he'll probably play a lot of point guard. Um, they've got a couple guards transfers that um, they're really going to expect a lot from in, in uh, Luke uh, Lowy. Uh, he's from Wisconsin, but he played at William & Mary. And then also EJ Stevens uh, played at Lafayette. Uh, those two guys have a lot of experience um, as well. And, and, and they'll come into the backcourt and help them a lot. And uh, I'm excited about Jamison Battle, also a George Washington transfer. He's a Dale LaSalle kid we've had on this show. Yeah, we have. Uh, podcast. He was really great, uh, you know, uh, talking about a lot of things other than basketball. And, he, you know, he's going to add some shooting to the mix. Um, you know, unfortunately, Parker Fox, another local kid, Matamidi kid, um, he tore his ACL and, um, you know, he'll be out uh, six to nine months, you know, and I don't expect him back this year. But, you know, if it's the if it's a shorter end of that recovery time, you know, there's a possibility he could join them, you know, a month or so into Big Ten play. But, you know, I, I really don't expect that. I think that the best thing for him is probably to get healthy and, and you know, get get back uh, fully healthy and, and, and maybe next year help them. So they, they need some big guys. Um, I mentioned some guards, you know, some perimeter threats, but they're still recruiting. You know, like I said, this is high school recruiting time, in-person recruiting, but 
they're still searching the transfer portal, trying to find that starting center. You know, they've been really lucky here the last couple of years with Daniel Turu and Liam Robbins to, you know, all big 10 um, caliber players and, and uh, NBA prospects. And, and now that they'll have to, you know, continue to find someone that can help them compete, you know, in the front court. Well, when he was hired, Ben Johnson was, was built up as a, as a recruiter, as a relationship builder. And I guess this is the time for him to, to, to start uh, to start bringing some of that to, to light here with with the Gophers, not not a doubt that he can do it. To what extent is uh, and how fast is is probably the biggest questions. Marcus Fuller, thanks for joining Daily Delivery today. Great stuff. Always enjoy catching up on Gopher basketball. And uh, let's do this again soon. Maybe we can grab a, a recruit or a target or two and have them on the show as well. Yeah, by that time we'll have a recruit. We'll have some commitments here. Hopefully, so, sounds good. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you. Let's end things with the cooler. Like Marcus and I talked about, the transfer portal has completely and fundamentally changed college basketball, college sports, really. And Chip Scoggins had a column about that to that effect in Thursday's paper, startribune.com. He had some numbers in it that Marcus and I didn't talk about. Here's a paragraph from Chip's column. Here are rounded off totals for Division One athletes who entered the transfer portal this year. 2,400 in FBS-level football, 2,770 in men's basketball and 1,660 in women's basketball. That is a staggering number, uh, just the sheer volume of it. So many different athletes looking to change teams, change schools, change their situations. And I, I, again, I've talked about this on the sh- on the show before. I like the portal. I like empowering athletes, but I, I think we're fooling ourselves if we, if we don't acknowledge the fundamental change this will have in college sports. And, uh, you know, just, just how this will change roster building, how this will change how teams are constructed going forward. It's going to be a whole different way of doing things. And uh, we got to be, we got to be ready for that in college sports. It's going to be more like free agency than it is anything else. That'll do it for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hoping to have Tyler Dunn, who has covered the Packers uh, for quite some time. He now is kind of on his own, doing his own thing, covering the NFL, doing a great job doing it. Hoping to have him on Friday show to talk NFL talk Aaron Rodgers, get his perspective on what's going on in Green Bay. Thanks for listening today. Please download this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, maybe even leave a review if you have the time. Always subscribe to Star Tribune and StarTribune.com, of course, and we'll see you again on Friday.